Come on and put your hands together and let's worship together. There's a song in my spirit. There's a joy in my soul. Come what will, come what may, I'll worship anyway. Oh, the devil can try it. Try to quiet this song that I'll sing out even louder than before. I'm gonna lift my voice and sing. I'm
God, you are so good. You're so faithful. You're so worthy. I love what Isaiah 43, 19 says, and I feel like it's so fitting with this song. And I want to remind you of what it says. It says, for I am doing, I'm about to do something new. He's getting ready to do something new today in your life, in this house, in this city. Can we give God some praise this morning? Oh, he's so faithful. You can go ahead and grab a seat in God's presence this morning, and we just want to say welcome. Uh, for those of you I haven't gotten a chance to meet yet, my name is Pastor Will, and uh, it, it'll be an honor to meet you. And with that being said, we want to honor and welcome our guests this morning, whether in person or online. Can we give it up for our guests? Welcome. We're so glad you're here, and there's a few things we want to encourage you to do. One of those things is, if this is your first Sunday, or maybe you've been coming for a minute and you haven't gotten connected yet, we want to encourage you to grab the Connect card from the seat back in front of you. Please fill it out with as much information you don't mind us having, or take out your smart device, scan the QR code on the screen, or you can text D1TEXT to 84576. And what we encourage to do with that Connect card, whether you do it digitally or in person, is hold on to it until after service. You can drop it in one of our giving boxes, or this is really what we ask that you do. Meet us in our guest reception. Our pastors and some of our pastoral leadership team would love to meet you, connect with you, exchange that Connect card with a gift. And we just want to say welcome to Dothan First. Can we get up for our guests one more time? We're so excited about what God's going to do. And you see a number of things on those screen to get connected, prayer, life groups. Somebody say life groups. This will be the last Sunday to sign up for life groups in the lobby. We'll go ahead and get started. A lot of them are already meeting, but I'm telling you that because for this reason, even though we're already started, don't let today be the last day that you try to get involved in one, but this is the last day to sign up in one. So please, as you exit today uh, at the end of service, please look over those life groups. We grow in community. We grow in relationship. So we want to encourage you to be a part of that. Also, and probably one of the most important things I want to remind you of, and this is for all the ladies in the house, we have our Awaken Conference coming up October 6th and 7th. Ladies, listen, if you haven't invited somebody in the city to be a part of this yet, I'm challenging you. I'm daring you to make sure that you bring somebody, and maybe you should even pay it forward. Go ahead and pay for the person, because I believe there are some of you you've been here and there's a lady in your life a sister a mom a grandparent an aunt that you've been praying for their salvation go ahead and pay for their ticket and say this is a gift to you i want you to be at this so scan that on the screen it's october 6th and 7th and you may say well i want to plan that far out i encourage you to go ahead and plan for that weekend god is going to be here we got some special guests pastor michelle has been doing a lot of work behind this event so i encourage you i challenge you to please be here for that because god's going to move amen how many are thankful that God has blessed you? Come on, can you give God some praise for that? And I just want to thank you, church, for being so generous. You are some of the most generous people, and I'm so thankful for that. And I know that uh, you want to honor God with your generosity. But now is the time where we get to give unto the Lord. And we're going to continue our worship, but you're going to see five ways to give on the screen. And we want to encourage you to utilize those five ways to give for a number of reasons. We don't pass the plate traditionally, and that's not a bad thing. It's just one of the things that we're trying to do to uh, continue to be uh, faithful with the Lord's generosity. And it's not, again, not bad, but we want to encourage you to worship in that way. So if you want to follow one of those ways to give as an act of continued worship, we challenge you to do that. But as I get ready to pray over this time of giving, your elders, our elders, are going to go to their various stations of prayer. It's going to be under the exit sign on my left and on my right and then up in the balcony. And we do this every single week. And we're asking that you partner with them in faith, believing for God to supernaturally touch your life. 
We believe already in the first song that God's presence in this place, and we're going to continue for him to move in this place. So as I get ready to pray, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to stand. And as I begin to pray, come on, you can go ahead and stand. You want you to go out of your seat. As soon as I say amen, if you need uh, a prayer today, a prayer of healing, God to supernaturally touch your life in some kind of way. But again, I do this every, every single week often. I just ask you to go ahead and stick your hands out as a sign of surrender, as a sign of sacrifice. And we're, what we're doing is we're saying, God, everything I have, everything I got, and everything I'm not, I'm giving it to you. Who I am right now in this moment doesn't matter, but who you are is what matters most. So we're giving you our attention. We're giving you our focus. We're giving you our worry. We're not just giving you our money. We're giving you everything in this moment. And we're going to pray to that end. Father, thank you so, so much for every single person in this room that is believing in faith for what you're going to do, not just in our tithes and our offerings, but Father, for those that need a supernatural touch in this place. Father, as we get ready to go back into worship, I truly believe that the Lord of Lords is going to meet needs today. Father, that you're going to move in this house in such a supernatural way that we'll have only one testimony. Had it not been for God in our life, Father, we, we thank you for the testimonies that are going to come forth. So bless the giver and bless the person who needs you to give them something today. And we'll give you all the glory for it. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's worship together.
for you. So pour out your praise on him this morning. You're faithful, God. Oh, don't you get shy on 
what do we have that we can give to you the king of the universe creator of all that we see and all that we don't see Lord that you would humble yourself to meet with us Lord that you would choose to dwell in us as your temple God we're so grateful Lord so we just return thanks to you this morning God we don't know what else to do Lord but just to say thank you 
thank you for who you are, great God. Thank you for your love for us, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you lead us into everlasting life. We humble ourselves before you, God. We kneel in our hearts before you. And we say hallelujah to the King of kings, to the Lord of lords, to the only wise God. We magnify you. We worship you today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we try to find a rhythm amongst the noise of this world, tuning the strings of our soul to feel we have a place in this orchestra of life, we find sometimes that we get lost amongst the oceans of sound. We dance and move our way through it all to find meaning, just trying to fit into this place and the people around us. Doing this on our own, we find we lose the rhythm. It's only through the grace of God that we truly find our place in this world. When we walk alongside Christ, He fills us with purpose. Only then we truly find our rhythm as we join in His orchestra. We learn to move in sync with God and His plan for us all. Letting God use us, the noise of this world becomes faint and the rhythm of God becomes clear. Come on, how many of you love Jesus in the house today? Yeah, and can we give it up for those watching online for the first time right now? Come on, let's give it up for them. Welcome. We are so glad that you're joining with us here today online. And if it's your first time online with us, listen, if you're ever in the Wiregrass area, we would so love to have you be a part of this church here at Dothan First. And I promise we'll make you feel at home here. And uh, so listen, if you don't have a home church this church is available to be a resource to show you the way to the connection to God and his deep love for you. And I want to take a moment, give it up for all those that are here for the first time in the building. Can you give it up for them again? Come on. We love you. God bless you. And we cannot wait to meet up with you right after this service. My wife, Michelle, and I, some of our leadership team, we'd be so honored to meet you and give you a gift for hanging out with us today. Well, go ahead, grab your copy of God's Word. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'll gladly get the Bible to you free of charge. We just want God's promises in your hands. And of course, you can always follow along with us on the Version app of the Bible. And you can download that, and we've got all the notes in there as well. And then I encourage you to follow us on all those social media outlets, not just to say you followed us or liked us, but because these are moments where we get to invest in your life. Week after week and day after day, we want to pour in the love of Jesus Christ into you. So grab your copy of God's Word. Say this with me. Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now just turn to your neighbor and tell him, man, I can't believe you're blessed enough to sit next to somebody as good looking as me. Just tell them right now, they are really blessed to sit by you. 
And I want to give a special shout out to uh, our daughter Cameron, who's home with us for a brief weekend, as well as her friend slash boyfriend, Jacob. We're so glad that you're here today as well. Can you give it up for them? Love you. Yeah. They promised me they're going to be my cheerleading section today. So uh, if they start getting quiet, I want you to get loud. That's what I need from you today. Okay. Now you can turn to 1 Peter, if you would, chapter 2. And we're, we're continuing on in this series where we want you to see God's potential in you. And specifically, we're talking about identity today, how God views you and the identity crisis that we seem to be facing in our world today. How many of you, when you were growing up, you were kids, you, you, you liked to pretend. You liked make believe, right? You, had, you were imaginary. How many of you had an imaginary friend? Put up your hands. Yeah, you had an imag- imaginary friend. Uh, how many of you, you blamed that imaginary friend every time you did something wrong? Come on, yeah. Honestly, right? But I had such an imagination, it was probably because I didn't have a cell phone. Uh, back then, we uh, come on, old school in the house. How many of y'all remember we had to play games, like make up stuff? You know what I'm talking about? Like, we didn't have in the vehicles, we didn't have the DVD players inside the vehicles keeping us busy. We had to like play the sign game on the way. We had to play the ABC game. Come on, anybody old school in the house? Okay. All right. But, but here's the thing. I would pretend, as I said last week, that I was a superhero. I wore the special underoos when I would go to bed at night, the, uh, the Superman cape or the Spider-Man or Batman. I just, I love to pretend I was a superhero and I enjoyed those kind of things, but I also pretended when I was like, you know, during the daytimes when I wasn't a superhero at night, I would, in the daytime, I would pretend I was a fireman sometimes. I would pretend I was a policeman sometimes. And, and listen, my parents appreciated my, the imagination that their son had. The only thing that my mom did not like was when I would pretend to be the Hulk. This is a true story. And I would take the shirt and rip all the buttons off. I'd rip that thing open like I was the Hulk. She did not like that so much. Uh, And then I did turn green, but it was because my dad was coming home. But anyway, that's another story altogether. But my parents, they appreciated their son's imagination, but they did not encourage me to get up on the rooftop with my Superman cape and jump off, right? They knew that I knew that I wasn't really a superhero, right? Now, I can just tell you my parents, they were great, wonderful parents, but they enjoyed the fact that I was imagining that I would be a policeman or a fireman. But let me just tell you, my parents did not jump into the delusion that somehow I was a policeman and send me in the middle of a a firefight or send me as a firefighter into a burning building. And yet it seems as though we are, as a society, participating in children's delusions. One of the things that we we talked a little bit about last week was the idea of identity being robbed of us. And delusion is an unshakable belief in something that is not true or based on reality. And this is, by the way, a serious disorder. This isn't something really to joke about. People can't tell the difference from what's real than from what's imagined. 
And so at children at two and three and four years old aren't being reinforced in their identity of who they are. A, a boy's not being told you're a boy or a girl's not being told that she's a girl. And, and so before too long, the delusion becomes societal and it's almost as though the breakdown of identity becomes an identity crisis. As, as our children grow older, they have to be reinforced in their developmental stages. They're like, they're like little, their brains are, are like little sponges that soak up what's being reinforced both societally and parentally. And so even children now today are being encouraged as, with their parents to identify as a dog or as a cat. Let me just tell you something. You're not a dog. You're not a cat. You're not a furry. <laughs> There's something about identity that gets shaped in those youngest years that help that child develop into who they will become. And so we, we have to ask the question, then why is this happening? Why do we have such an identity problem? And I'll say it like this. How we deal with this generation will help determine the level of the identity crisis. How you reinforce to this generation their identity. Let me tell you something. We've got to reinforce that their, their identity is not in crisis. It's only found in Christ. It's in Christ. When they realize that they're in Christ, that God made them who they are, that there is a maker, there is a creator, and he's got a design. The designer's got a design. The, the maker has a plan. He's got a developmental strategy that as you grow in him, you'll begin to know who you are and whose you are. You won't have to worry about other things to put in place of your identity, like your money or your success or, or even your ethnicity or what you look like or how you dress. Those things won't determine who you really are. So in the midst of these developmental stages, we've got to work with kids and teenagers and even adults to help them recognize, recognize their identity for they are not who others say that they are. You're not even who your parents said you are. You're not who your peers say you are. Friends, you're not who the pressure of the culture says you are. You're not who social media says you are. You are a child of the most high God. You've been made by a maker. And he's got a plan in place if we'll only listen. So today I want to talk about the importance of knowing who you are, why you exist, and people have gotten so confused, and so I want to explain how you find that deep identity. There's this unseen spiritual battle that's taking place over your identity every day, and Satan does not want you to know who you are. He does not want, to, he does not want God to reveal and release to you who you are. He wants to steal. He wants to conceal. He wants to confuse your true identity. And he can't, listen, friends, he cannot steal who God made you to be unless you give him the power to do so. Unless you join in with the delusion. Understand, Satan cannot create. He can only pervert and distort. And so when it comes to our identity, the fact is God made us and then he reinforces that by telling us who we are throughout the scriptures. He reminds us over and over again, this is who you are in me. This is who you can be in me. 
And he begins to tell us who we are in Christ Jesus. But what Satan does is he uses those patterns of the past. He will take every, matter of fact, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he does not play fair. He will use your hurt, every trauma that you've ever had, every issue you've ever faced, every bad thing that anybody's ever said to you or about you. He will use even your own spiraling thoughts against you. To try to distract you from who you really are and to, to understand who God made you to be. Listen, friends, it, as a pastor and as a, as a friend today, it is my goal to unearth all of the destiny that God's laid out in you, the seeds of greatness that are inside of you, and to break the back of the enemy and give that guy laryngitis today to tell him, you don't have authority in my ears or in my mind or in my heart or in my soul or in my spirit to tell me who I am. For God alone tells me who I am. That's who he, he, he wants you to know who you really are and who he made you to be. I want you to know what God thinks about you today. So friends, if you've ever battled with insecurity, today is your day. I want you to know that today, if anybody has ever been spoken over in a way that it has been a curse and not a blessing, I want to teach you how to reverse that curse today in Jesus' name. There's a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 13 that talks a little bit about this when there's the, it's, it's the parable of the sower that Jesus talks about, but the sower goes out to sow seed into soil. And really it's not about the sower and it's really not about the seed as much as it seems to be about the soil because he describes four different environment or environments that that seed is sown into. The first one you remember is this this pathway, the, the sower sows on a pathway. And the pathway, of course, is, is not roots or soil at all. It's, it's just a path. And uh, so in the pathway, the birds just eat up the, the seed. There's nothing to produce there. And then the other soil that actually does get mentioned is rocky soil. It, it's, it's where the soil is so shallow that when the root system tries to go deep, it just can't. And then the Bible says that the sun just scorches it. It's like the environment was not conducive for the seed to produce. And then the last one you remember was it was sown among the thorns. And when those thorns were close, they, they began to choke the life out of that, so, or that seed that had produced a plant. The plant was trying to create life and, and give off life, but for some reason it just got choked out. And friends, I want you to know the environment that you've been planted in makes a big deal. It, is, it makes a big difference in how you see yourself, your identity, because who's speaking into your life helps to reinforce the identity. The environment you put yourself in, the friends, the people that you're around, the, the, the spouse even, those parents. Again, well-meaning people but frail and fragile, they don't know you like God knows you. They don't know who you can be. And some parents don't know how to call out the destiny of God in their own children's life. Or a husband doesn't know how to call out the destiny in their spouse. To call those things that are not as though they were. And so we need to understand how to cultivate what God says and reinforce what God says. So the Apostle Peter gives us five descriptions or aspects of our identity in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Let's take a look at it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says it like this. You are chosen. Everybody say chosen. 
You are, oh, I love that, by the way, I love Chosen. I love the, watching The Chosen. If you haven't seen that, it is like so incredible. It just, I don't know, I cry every time I watch it. I'm not a crying guy. Like, I, I don't think I've ever cried at a rom-com movie or anything like that. But, uh, but man, every time, I don't know what it is. I just want to go hug Jesus every time I see that. The, anyway, all right, let's get back to it. You are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people who belong to God. Friends, I, look, as much as I love my wife having spent now 29 years of marriage celebrating our 29th anniversary this last week, let me just tell you, as much as I love her and value her words of affirmation and encouragement over me, I need to always recognize and realize I don't just belong to her, I belong to God. It says you're chosen to tell about the excellent qualities of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Then it goes on to say in verse 10, these words at one time, you were not God's people. In other words, you didn't have a true identity that was sealed and clear. But now, thanks to be, be to God, he says, but now you're his people. At one time, you didn't know God's mercy, but now you know his mercy. You've received it. Here's God's true view of you. And I'm going to go over the first two real quick because this is in review today. But very quickly, first of all, is because of Jesus Christ, you've been accepted, right? God chose you. First Peter chapter two, that beginning in verse nine said, you have been chosen by God himself. We learned that last week. And then we learned not only are we accepted, but we're also valued by God. It goes on to say in First Peter 2, 9, you are a holy nation, people who belong to God. It's reinforced there in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 7, 6. It says you are a treasured possession, his treasured possession. You've been made acceptable to God because of Jesus' death and resurrection. He showcased how valuable you really were. Look, friends, we all have a longing for belonging. And you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, it says, you have been bought and paid for by Christ, so what? What does it say? You what? You belong to him. That means God accepts you, not based on what you've done, but because of what Jesus did. Not based on who you are, but because of who God is in you. And our relationship with Christ and his death and resurrection only confirms our value and reinforces our identity as a child of the Most High God. If anybody's ever, been, if anybody's ever told you you're worthless, friends, they're lying. God says you're priceless. Who are you going to listen to? So today, you're not only accepted and valued by God, but the third thing is because of Jesus Christ, you are loved. Man, love seals your identity. Matter of fact, you're not just loved, you are eternally loved. Just turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are eternally loved. Eternally loved. Here it is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. He says, once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. So when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you accept his death and resurrection, what happens is the Bible says you become a significant part of God's family. You are a child of the Most High God. You're now in the royal family. 
And as a matter of fact, the Bible even talks about the church being the family of God. And it's not just this church, like Dothan First, like we have, you know, some kind of special thing that nobody else has. Let me tell you something. That's why uh, when I watch churches that are in competition, I just shake my head and go, what are we doing, man? We're, we're on the same team. We're, we're for the same goal. We serve the same God. And so that's why every single week for years and years and years, at the beginning of our service, we highlight a pastor from another church and even another denomination because I don't care what it says on the front of their building. What I do care about is the God that we both serve. And if they call him father and I call him father, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love that. The kingdom of God is huge. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11 says, Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. And that's why Jesus is not ashamed to call us. Look at this. Jesus calls us his brothers. Come on, somebody. And his sisters. No wonder my parents, every time I do something wrong, they go, why can't you be more like your big brother Jesus? I mean, you know, I'm just kidding. They didn't do that. I'm playing. Jeremiah 31.3 reinforces this idea of the love of God by saying this, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. Look at that. With an unfailing love. Friends, we've had people that have loved us and they failed. Let's, let's be honest. Even the people we love back and even love to this day, they have failed us at one point or another. Their love has failed us, but God's love never fails. It's unfailing. It's everlasting. It's eternal. It's unconditional. Friends, the unconditional love of God I, I shared with you last week, he doesn't love us if. I'll love you if you do this and if you do that, and it's all conditioned because we've been conditioned as, as people here on earth, as, as human beings, to be conditionally loved. Like if we do something, our parents like us or say they like us or approve of us or our, our family members or friends or coworkers or our boss, whatever, it's all conditional love. And yet the unconditional love of God is not, I love you if, or I love you because, because you're this or because you're... As a matter of fact, it's almost I love you in spite of. <laughs> in spite of your weaknesses, in spite of your frailties, in, in spite of all the sins you've committed, those things that you've done against me, when you weren't lovable, he still loves you. The everlasting, eternal, unconditional love of God. He's also, uh, he has a consistent love. He's not fickle. He's not one, one day this way and one day that way, right? You don't have to wake up tomorrow and wonder, is God still loving me? Yeah, friends, he still loves you. Yeah, but what, if, what about the thing I did stupid the other day? Yeah, he still loves you. The Bible says that he loves us in spite of and even in the midst of our sin. And often what we've had is uh, and some people have had incons in inconsistent parents, which can tend to produce insecure kids. But God says his love is consistent. It's eternal. Psalm 100 verse 5 says God's love is eternal and his faithfulness lasts forever. Friends, you're eternally loved. And one of my favorite parts of that eternal love is that because of Jesus Christ, not only are we loved and valued and accepted, but we're forgiven. We are a forgiven people. 1 Peter 2.10, at one time you didn't know God's mercy, but he says now you've received God's mercy. Friend, what are you doing with, with the, the shame of the past when God says, I've wiped the slate clean? Why are we sitting in guilt knowing that through Christ we've been forgiven? It's like he took an eraser and erased off the chalkboard all the sins that you've ever committed. Why would we sit 
and sulk in shame. Listen, before God made you, before he formed and fashioned and created you, before you even took your first breath, he knew the sins that you would commit and the sins that you were going to commit from this day forward. And he says, I still love you. I still love you. Some people, even wonderful Christians, God-fearing, God-loving Christians have a hard time with the idea of grace. They don't understand the amazing grace of God. And so they constantly live in this idea that God's mad at me. Every time something bad happens, God's getting even with me. Friends, how many know that's not a good father and that's not God the father? He's not out to get his kids. He's not out to get even with his kids, friends. He's out to love his kids. He's forgiven his kids. But we have to then take that step of faith and believe. Believe that we've been forgiven. That's grace. Many of you know the scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, there is therefore now, what? No condemnation, none for those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, God doesn't carry grudges. If you've given your life to Christ and you sin, listen, God knows how to reverse it and he knows how to release it. The question is, we're holding something God has released. Because it's God's nature to forgive, I want you to know today, his desire to forgive you goes beyond just a desire. It's literally who he is. Look at this, Isaiah 43, 25. God says, I am the God, look at this, who forgives your sins, and I do this, why? Because of who I am. It's not just what God does, it's who he is. Some of you have wondered, and I'm sure uh, there's been times in my life where I have too, where I was like, okay, is God getting sick and tired of me coming to him asking for forgiveness? I mean, not that I would desire to live in a willful, disobedient lifestyle that goes against God's plan and God's purpose for my life or, or his word or his will for my life. No, I, I want to live in a, in a holy and a pure way. But the Bible says, though the righteous fall seven times, they're going to get back up again. So God's not upset and angry and agitated because you come to him. As a matter of fact, it's actually a compliment that you would go to God with those sins and ask for forgiveness. Why? Because first you recognize that you didn't just sin against yourself or against the people in your sphere of influence. You hurt him. And secondly, it's a compliment to him because he's the only one that can forgive truly, deeply, eternally to forgive. It's his nature. Because Jesus Christ paid for all your sins, you don't have to pay for them by yourself and your own good works. Ephesians 1, 7 says, by the blood of Christ, we've been set free. Everybody say set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. And then it says, how great is the grace of God. Can you take one moment and just thank God for his grace, his mercy over all of your past, over all of your sin. He says, the blood of Jesus covers it. You're free. You've been set free. That's God's true view of you. That's your real identity. And you've been, because you've been valued and accepted and loved and forgiven, let me tell you something. Because of Jesus Christ, you are now secure, complete, and competent. That's what God says about it. He doesn't say you're incompetent. He says you're gifted, you're capable, and the Bible says that you've been made qualified. That means your sins and your flaws have not disqualified you from being a child of God or being a servant of the Most High God. It doesn't disqualify you from sonship or from service. The Bible says you're 
fully capable because of Jesus Christ. Because of God made you, who, made, who made you, he says you're fully capable of becoming who he made you to be. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says something really weird, so get ready. Matter of fact, this is going to transform your world. If you haven't listened to anything up to this point, this is your moment to listen because this is the beginning of understanding who God sees when he looks down and sees you. You ready for this? It's going to freak you out. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, You are royal priests. Not royal pains, <laughs> which some of you would maybe say about your own kids at times. You are a royal pain, and I'm not going to say where, but you are a royal. No, but he says you are a royal priest chosen to tell about the wonderful acts of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Man, God says you're a priest. Turn to your neighbor and say, just tell him, hey, I'm a priest. I just want you to know I'm a priest. I didn't go to school. I didn't go to Bible college. I don't wear my clerical robes or anything, but I am a priest. Every believer in Christ is a chosen priest. So what does a priest do? You need to know if you are a priest and you've just figured that out today, you better know what a priest does. One of the greatest things that a priest does is this, a priest represents God to others that's what a priest does look at this in Acts chapter 26 verse 18 here's what a priest is supposed to do he says you're to open the eyes or open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that through their faith in me talking about him Jesus they will have their sins forgiven and they'll receive their place among God's chosen people. Can you imagine a greater position than being a royal priest that represents God to others? Man, God says, not only are you, listen, one aspect of that is that you're a priest, which means you don't have to go to a priest to have your sins forgiven. You just go as a priest to the high priest, Jesus, and he goes and says, I will forgive you and I will cleanse you and I will make you whole and holy because we are not holy in and amongst ourselves. We cannot be holy by the standard of looking for others and their holiness. No, we raise the standard to the most high God and we say, you are holy. And he makes us holy. You're a priest. Called to turn unbelievers from darkness to light. Friends, that's why we give to missions. That's why we support almost 70 missionaries every single month. That's why we dig water wells and try to stop human trafficking. And that's why we work hard to put priests around the world. And that's why we send these priests on missions trips to different places. That's why we send you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's why we, we want to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ around the globe. That's why we purchase Bibles for schools in even in our own city we had a school that called us shh, and <laughs> don't tell anybody and called us and asked us if we could buy Bibles because their Bible study at their public school is growing so fast the teachers are trying to pay for the Bibles and we said we will buy you the Bibles we want God's Word in the hands of students who can know their identities in Christ it's not in crisis it's in Christ and it's not just for the pastors of this church, it's every member. Well, that might make, make you feel just a little insecure because you're like, well, I'm representing God to others. Like, I, don't you know who I am? Yeah, we do. 
That's why the Bible says that God sent his Holy Spirit. That when Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit descended. That we might not live in our own power. It's not by our might or our power. It's by his spirit, says the Lord. So we represent God best when his Holy Spirit is working in and through us. That's what makes us a powerful priest before God. Second Corinthians, rather, chapter 3, verse 5 says it like this. The capacity we have comes from who? From God. It's he who is capable of serving the new covenant. It's not us. It's he who makes us worthy. But he makes us completely capable. Completely capable. It's only through Christ that we've been made competent. And friends, I know that there's some in this room, you've battled with a, a gnawing sense of, of insecurity. Like, I, I'm insecure. I don't know who I am. I, I don't feel like I measure up. I'm, I'm not capable. Listen, friends, the reason is that you're relying on old memories and you're, re, you're ruminating, which is what a cow does when it's chewing cud and swallows it, then spits it back up again and chews it again. You're, you're ruminating over old thoughts and old ideas where you've fallen, where you've failed, where you been frail or when others have told you and pointed out something about you. I don't know when you think about those embarrassing moments, but uh, for some reason, it's either when I lay my head on the pillow or when I jump in the shower, you know, because it's just like I got a few minutes to myself and all of a sudden my mind starts to race and I remember some stupid thing I've done, some stupid thing I've said, some embarrassing moment in my life and I'm replaying that over and over again and I've learned something that's really valuable. It, the, the minute that thing pops in my head, I immediately say, say thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you've covered that. <laughs> thank you that I am not what that moment said I am. Friends, you are not the sin that you committed. The sin that you committed no longer has authority in your life. God reversed that curse in you when you gave it to him. But you're still meditating and ruminating on what others have said to you or about you. And friends, it wasn't true then and it's not true now. You've got to replace those old memories with the truth of what God says about you. In him, you're capable and competent and complete. Philippians 4.13, I love this verse. You've probably heard it a million times. You've probably seen football players with this uh, across their, you know, uh, on their under eye stickers or maybe on their arm. I can do everything, what? Through Christ who gives me strength. Friends, you've got God's spirit in you. You are God's priest. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come as we prepare to close. But the Bible says, friends, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. The Bible says no weapon formed against me will be able to prosper. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The Bible says I'm the head and not the tail. When you know who you are and whose you are, you are not in Christ as friends. You're in Christ. Remember when I was telling you about the sower that sowed the seeds? Friends, the Bible never said there was anything wrong with the seed. It said the environment was wrong. Those that, that are planted in the house of the Lord can flourish in his courts. Friends, when you are planted in the house of God, when you're planted around people who love God and know God and serve God and, and reinforce what God already said about you, friends, the seeds of destiny, the seeds of greatness that are still growing inside of you cannot be scorched or squelched 
It must produce fruit. And the Bible says that that soil, that environment, this church and those like it that serve the King of Kings and preach the word of God to you, that reinforces your identity. And what happens, the Bible says, when you get that seed of greatness that's inside of you and it hits the soil of God's word, the Bible says the nutrients of that soil, the watering of that word, all of a sudden it produces something that that is 30, 60, and 100 times what has been sown. That means the life that you have And friends, the life I live is not enough. The Bible says that when a seed falls into the ground, it dies. It looks like a burial, but it's a planting. And the dark moments of your life, you rarely grow in all the wonderful high top moments. You almost always grow in the planting. In the dark moments where you got to just absolutely give your life over to God and say, God, I don't know what else to do, but I know I need you. When you feel like you're buried, and some of you feel like that today, friends, you're only being planted. That breaking process is going to one day produce things that you can't produce in your own talent, your own gifting, your own ability. You'll have a greater impact because of his infusion of DNA. Some studies indicate that the younger you are when you're first rejected, the greater the impact that it has on your life. And when someone rejects you verbally, they're actually cursing you. When they say you don't matter, you don't belong, you're a failure, you don't measure up, why can't you be more like your brother or your sister or you can't do anything right? They're cursing you instead of blessing you. And I promised you I would tell you how to reverse the curse. I've been telling you all along and you put the pieces of the puzzle together, but I'll just lay it out pure and simple. The way you reverse that curse is you start believing and rehearsing what God alone says about you, what his word says about you. Start believing the truth of God's word. You keep studying these concepts. You grow deep in God's word. You spend quality time in his presence. You spend alone time in worship with him every day, letting him reinforce who you are so that when you go out into this world that wants to squelch and scorch, you have the truth. And no one can turn you from the truth of what God says about you. And then when the devil comes in with whispering lies, you hit him with the truth of God's word, just like Jesus did when he was tempted. The Bible says every time Jesus was tempted by the devil, all three times he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He gives us the same formula to find our identity in him. You got to remind yourself constantly, my identity is in Christ. My identity comes from Christ. I am who he said I am. Studies have shown that the way you feel about yourself often defines your identity, but the the, the real struggle is that we often define our own identity and self-worth based on what we think others think about us. That's why you've got to have Jesus Christ to be the most important voice in your life, whispering who you are every day of your life. You are in Christ. You are accepted. You're valued. You're loved. You're forgiven. You're complete. You got to tell yourself there's now no condemnation. I'm not what my parents said I am. And I had great parents growing up. 
but I'm not even who my parents said. I'm not who my siblings say I am. I'm not who my teacher said I am. I am not who my classmates or my coworkers say I am. I'm not who my friends say I am. I'm not who Satan tries to say I am. I'm not even that swirling thought of negativity in my mind that tells me what I think I might be. No, I am in Christ. I'm not in crisis. I'm in Christ. And those seeds of greatness that are in you and in me, are just waiting to burst forth and produce fruit that will reap a harvest if we will not give up. Who are you going to believe today? You're going to believe God, the maker, the creator. You're going to believe the lie of the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Friends, it's time to start believing what God says, his, what his word says. You need to take this word. You need to hold it close. And you say, God, get this book in me. Let me know who I am. And when you know who you are, and when you know whose you are, no weapon formed against you will ever be able to prosper. That's where you receive your identity. Let's pray together. God, I thank you in this room that you have produced fruit already in us that we did not earn or deserve, and yet you did. Because through Jesus Christ, we've become children of the Most High, royal priests holy before you now I pray for those in this room who maybe this has been 30 minutes or so of the first time they've ever heard anybody talk to them about who they were in Christ so maybe for the last 5 or 10 or 20 or 50 years maybe for some they've only heard the lies of the enemy so I pray that they would put their faith and their confidence not in what I've said but Lord what you've said today about who they are we belong to you. We're your children. God, reinforce that. And Lord, I pray over a generation that seems lost and hurting and broken, and they seem like they're in crisis. And I pray that we, the church, would always help define who they are, not by telling them what we see, but Lord, what you see. Give us faith to release identity. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Now, God, I pray over that one who maybe as a child was told they didn't make it they didn't make the team they didn't they didn't measure up in some way we've all experienced rejection in some way but i break the back of rejection lord those seeds of rejection that have gone down and bitter roots that have created a, a separation between who they really are and who they think they are and in jesus name dry that up from the roots and now i pray you would implant once again those seeds of greatness to showcase your love in them to show them who they are and how valued they are and lord no matter how they've been rejected by this world you have not turned your back on them you have not rejected them. You've loved them with an everlasting love. And I speak life now over them in Jesus' name. Reverse the curse right now in Jesus' name. In this room and those online, reverse the curse right now. We believe what you said, God. We believe what you said. If you just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed, there may be some in this room. You'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come in. Not only to show me who I am, but to forgive me of my sins. Friends, that's an amazing moment, the transformation process where he forgives everything we've ever done wrong. Nothing feels more free than knowing you're free from sin. And today the Bible says he sends those sins when you, when you give them to him. He says he sends them as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against you. 
And so today you don't have to be rejected. Matter of fact, you don't even have to clean yourself up to get to God. You just have to be open to accepting that free gift. The gift that Jesus Christ paid for on Calvary. The Bible says that he took every sin upon himself on that cross. And today he offers you in exchange freedom. I want you to receive that freedom right now in the name of Jesus Christ. If that's you, whether it's a first time decision or maybe this is a third or fourth or fifth or the hundredth time that you've said yes to him, I want today to be a day of freedom in the house in Jesus' name. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand all over this place. I'm not going to embarrass you. It's not my heart to judge you. I'm simply going to invite you into this prayer, into this special moment between you and God while heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Come on, all over this place, slip up your hand. Inviting you into that prayer. That's you today. Yeah, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Anybody else? That's you today. In the balcony on the main floor. Come on. Yeah, God bless you. Yes. Amen. God bless you. Anybody else? Yeah. God bless you. Yes. God bless you over here. Yes. God bless you. Yes. God bless you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is a miracle moment. This is one of the greatest miracles of all time because anytime a a human being gets in connection with the holy and the divine in a moment like this, it's an overwhelming transformational moment that you'll never be the same again. It doesn't mean the enemy won't fight you. It just means that you now have the, the tools to now fight the enemy with the word of God. If that's you, slip up your hand. Anyone else? That's you today. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Yeah, that's you today. God bless you. Yeah. God bless you. In the balcony, yeah. All right, you can put your hands down. Those of you that lifted your hands, friends, and those watching online, I want you to pray this prayer out loud after me. And I want you to say it like you mean it. I want you to say it with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Don't just repeat it because I'm saying it. I want you to mean it with your heart. Can you say this out loud after me? Everybody in the room, but especially you who lifted your hands, pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Forgive me for all my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus name can you just receive right now from the Lord just begin to receive your identity your purpose matter of fact the worship team is going to come and sing over you right now I want that identity to be shaped in you after that prayer just receive from the Lord let him speak over you right now all my words fall short I've got nothing new how could I express Could sing these songs as I often do, but every song must end, and you never do. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again.
speak over each one of us as our Father to define who we are. Lord, thank you. Thank you. God, you've done a transformation like you told us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that we'd be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I pray when the enemy tries to come in, that the Bible says, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. God, we, de- we determine today to listen to what you say. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I want you to remain seated for just a moment, and I'm going to invite a wonderful, amazing, sweet family to the front here today. Uh, this is a special moment for Andy and Adam and for their kids. <clears throat> for today is what we call the bittersweet moments. It is uh, a moment of transition, and we shared last week, or uh, about a month ago actually, but then we've kind of shared along the way that this would be a special day of transition for them, and we thank God for the two of you and for your wonderful kids. We thank God for who He made you to be, who He's gifted you to be, to these amazing kids that you've raised. We're proud of them. We're proud of you. Yeah, we're proud of the, the last six years that we've gotten to watch you grow. And even before that, to watch how God's used the two of you and strengthened you. And now then to be able to have the littlest one, Annie, to be born here. And so this is going to always be a part of her root system. And the growth that she's had, not just physically, but even spiritually in some of those moments where teachers were teaching her the word of God. That's been implanted into her, deeply implanted into her spirit. We thank God for that. But I want to say thank, to thank God for the two of you as parents, as friends, as leaders, as worshipers. One of the first videos you sent to this church that we played live was that worship isn't a song, it's the heart. It's a heart of worship that's a lifestyle. And you've exemplified that not only on this stage, but behind the scenes. And all that you've put your hands to have prospered. Almost everything that you see around this building in some form or fashion, because many of you know he's not just a great worship leader, he's also an amazing master electrician. And so he's done so much. He saved this church so much money. And we thank God not just for that, but the appreciation because it was a, it was a work and sacrifice of praise to God. 
And I know that about you. And Andy, the, Andy the, the, the beautiful gift that you bring to this house, from the day you walked in, you were already putting your hands to things in the nursery. You were putting your hands to serving people. The quiet moments where you were counseling people and they didn't know they should have been paying you for it because you're a professional licensed counselor. But they received a spiritual impartation because of your wisdom and the, the depth of your soul. Thank you for giving of yourself. Thank you as a family for showcasing the love of God in this city. And thank you for partnering with us, not because it's our church, it's his church, but, but you've partnered with us to see God's vision released in this city. Thank you for the last six years of faithfulness. Can you give this amazing couple a hand clap? Yeah, come on, give it up for them today. We love you, we honor you today. We love you guys so much. Love you, sweetie. Love you, love you, love you. While you're standing, we want to pray a special prayer over them. And we believe that in the process of transition, the same God that brought them here will not only take care of us, but he will take care of them. That's how we, that's how we function. We, we receive with a blessing and we send with a blessing. And so they're going back to Huntsville and they're going to be, say what? Launching them back. That's right. She's like, I want that prize. I want that prize. We're launching them back to Huntsville. And one of the things that we encourage you guys to do is take the time at the close of this service to go out in the foyer. And if you didn't maybe remember that they were transitioning or, or what have you, you can give a, a small gift, a token of appreciation, and especially writing a little handwritten note on one of those note cards that we've given to just say we love them and we appreciate them. For some, you may not have... Uh, said your verbal appreciation at any point, but you've really appreciated the worship every week. And uh, so this may be an opportunity to do that. But what I'd like for us to do is release them with a blessing. So would you stretch your hands out toward this amazing couple as we pray over them, just kind of as though you're standing beside them today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this amazing couple. Lord, we thank you for the gifts, talents, and ability that have been on display at this in this house. But Lord, more than that, their, their heart of service, their desire to do what you've called them to, to do and be who you've called them to be. And the obedience of God that brought them from California to here, that, that same obedient heart is now ca calling them and, and wooing them back to Huntsville. Now I pray a strategic blessing that would wait on them and that people that don't know Jesus would be touched forever because of their influence and we speak life over them, health over them, strength over them, peace over them. Lord, I pray prosperity over them. I pray over their children that the seeds of destiny, the greatness that are that is within them would produce, Lord, an amazing result of 30, 60, and 100 times that which has been sown. We thank you for gracing us with gifts. And we send those gifts back to you with a heart of appreciation. We thank you for that in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Now, as they exit through here so that they can greet many of you, can you give them a rousing applause and appreciation for all that they've been to this house? Adam, Andy, we love you. Kids, we love you. Come on. Let's give it up for them right now. Yeah. We love you. We celebrate you. Yeah. We love you. We love you.
Well, you can say your I love yous to them on the way out, but before you leave, I want to release you with this blessing. And Michelle and I, we, we are here because we care about you. We love you. We want to see the depth of God released in you. By the way, I just saw Steve Mason right here. He's our district youth director. He and his wife, they're amazing couples. And they just happened to show up today. I love you. I mean, Crystal, I see you too. She was behind the, she was trying to hide is what she was doing. But they are an amazing couple and they serve in our district office for the Assemblies of God. And they just snuck in. I don't know. You just can't sneak around here. You're going to get called out, man. I love you guys. Thank you for being here today. Listen, would you put your hands out like you're ready to receive a blessing from the Lord today? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you give that love away to as many people as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing to your family and your friends and your co-workers and your sphere of influence those on social media I bless you to be a blessing to this city this region and this world with the love of Jesus Christ and may you know who you are and whose you are I bless you in Jesus name amen and if you receive that can you shout amen amen hey God bless you we love you we'll see you in the coming days have a Jesus filled week God bless you you're dismissed <laughs>